Welcome to Manna for Breakfast, the daily Bible reading devotional which chronologically takes you through the Word of God from Genesis to Revelation in one year. Grab a cup of coffee and your Bible and join us as we journey together through God's Word. Good morning. Welcome, everybody. thought it jumped up. It was, it was around 62 early this morning, 60-62, and now it's jumping up pretty quick. And it's slightly overcast, 68. Let's jump over and get into this day in history. I am willing to admit that I may not always be right, but I am never wrong. Samuel Goldwyn, good quote. The Pioneer Plaque, March 2nd, 1972, the anodized aluminum plaque is launched into space by NASA's Pioneer spacecraft uh, with human male and female and all the other stuff on there, trying to say, hi, we're here, we don't believe in God, and we don't believe in the God of creation or anything of the supernatural um, come find us. That's basically my take on what they wrote. William Chamberlain scores a record 100 points on this day if you're into basketball. 1962, 1933, the movie King Kong is made about the um, giant ape with the love of a beautiful woman. Wouldn't that be a giant gorilla? Well, it opens in New York City with sellout crowds and all-time attendance record for an indoor event. Classic movie, still available to see today. The importation of slaves banned on this day, 1807. Congress enacted the law prohibiting slaves of being imported into the U.S. Mm -hmm. uh, the lightning rods, 1750. Benjamin Franklin proposes the use of lightning rods to protect houses in a, a letter to a colleague. Wise man. Obviously, a house made of wood being struck by lightning, not a good thing. First nonstop around-the-world flight. Captain James Gallagher and crew complete their flight, which had begun on February 27th. The crew had a United States Air Force Boeing B-50 Super Fortress. Um, the flight had in-flight refueling and was used all along and used an extra long-range fuel tank in the Bombay. It had a double crew of 14 members, including three pilots who rotated shifts four and six hours following the refueling near Lucerne, Philippines, the refueling tanker encountered poor weather conditions and crashed on March 14th, 1949, killing all nine on board. Wow, that's sad. But first, nonstop all around the world. I want to emphasize it was all the way around a globe, not a flat plane, not a flat surface. I've been most of my life studying aviation and flying, and I am convinced by everything, including the Bible, we live on a globe. First, U.S. Admiral, March 2nd, 1899, Congress creates the position of the Admiral of the Navy. George Dewey was appointed to the position the following day. Dewey was noted for his spectacular defeat of the Spanish during the Battle of Manila during the Spanish-American War. Okay. Texas independence. Happy birthday, Texas. Texas declares its independence from Mexico on this day in 1836. That's it on this. Now let's look at the dad jokes. First one, why did the housewife return her vacuum cleaner? 
Because <laughs> it was just collecting dust. <laughs> now let's see if there's one more we can salvage here. Mm-hmm. We are into the bad dad jokes section and down near the bottom somewhere. Why is soccer so dangerous? Because of the constant shootings. I guess. <laughs> That's. The nurse is registering a new patient. When is your birthday? The patient replies, October 22nd. The nurse asks, what year? The patient shrugs, every year. <laughs> now that's what I'm going to remember and use. That's a classic one-liner. Okay. Now we can move into Leviticus 14, and then we'll jump over to Mark 8. Father, thank you for your love for us. Thank you for your guidance and all that you're doing in our life. We now turn our attention to your word and ask you to t guide us through it in Jesus' name. Amen. Leviticus 14, the law of cleansing the leper. Then the Lord spoke to Moses saying, this shall be a law of the leper in the day of his cleansing. Now he shall be brought to the priest. The priest shall go out to the outside of the camp. Thus the priest shall look, and if the infection of leprosy has been healed in the leper, then the priest shall give orders to take two live clean birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string and a hyssop for the one who is to be cleaned. The priest shall also give orders to slay the one bird in an earthenware vessel over the running water. As for the live bird, he shall take it together with the cedar wood and the scarlet string and the hyssop and shall dip them and the live bird in the blood of the bird that was slain over the running water. And he shall sprinkle seven times the one who is to be cleansed from the leprosy and shall pronounce him clean and shall let the live bird go free over the open field. The one that is cleansed shall then wash his clothes and shave off his hair and bathe in the, in the water and be clean. Now afterwards he may enter the camp, but he shall stay outside his tent for seven days. And it will be on the seventh day that he shall shave off his hair. He shall shave his head and his beard and his eyebrows, even all his hair. He shall then wash his clothes and bathe his body in water and be clean. Now on the eighth day, he is to take two male lambs without defect and a yearling ewe lamb without defect and three-tenths of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering and one log of oil. And the priest who pronounces him clean shall present the man to be cleansed and the aforesaid before the Lord at the doorway of the tent of meeting. Then the priest shall take one male lamb and bring it for a guilt offering with the log of oil and present them as a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the male lamb in the place where they slaughter the sin offering and the burnt offering at the place of the sanctuary for the guilt offering, like the sin offering, belongs to the priest, it is most holy. The priest shall then take some of the blood of the guilt offering and the priest shall put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed 
and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also take some of the log of oil and pour it into his left palm. The priest shall dip his right finger into the oil that is in the left palm and with his finger sprinkle some of the oil seven times before the Lord. Of the remaining oil, which is in his palm, the priest shall put some on his right earlobe of the one to be cleansed and on the thumb of his right hand and on the big toe of his right foot and on the blood of the guilt offering. While the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed. So the priest shall make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. The priest shall next offer the sin offering and make atonement for the one to be cleansed from his uncleanness. Then afterwards, he shall slaughter the burnt offering. The priest shall offer up the burnt offering and the grain offering on the altar. Thus, the priest shall make atonement for him, and he will be clean. But if he is poor and his means are insufficient, then he is to take one male lamb for a guilt offering and a wave offering to make atonement for him, and one-tenth of an ephah of fine flour mixed with oil for a grain offering, and a log of oil, and the two turtle doves, or two young pigeons, which are within his means, the one shall be a sin offering, and the other a burn offering. Then the eighth day he shall bring them for his cleansing to the priest, at the doorway of the tent of meeting before the Lord. The priest shall take the lamb of the guilt offering, and the log of the oil, and the priest shall offer them for a wave offering before the Lord. Next he shall slaughter the lamb of the guilt offering, and the priest is to take some of the blood of the guilt offering and put it on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed and the thumb of his right hand and the big toe of his right foot. The priest shall also pour some of the oil into his left palm and with his right hand finger, the priest shall sprinkle some of the oil that is in the left palm seven times before the Lord. The priest shall then put some of the oil that is in his palm on the lobe of the right ear of the one to be cleansed on the thumb of the right hand and on the big toe of his right foot on the place of the blood of the guilt offering. Moreover, the rest of the oil that is in the priest's palm, he shall put on the head of the one to be cleansed to make atonement on his behalf before the Lord. He shall then offer one of the turtle doves or young pigeons, which are within his means. He shall offer what he can afford and the one for the sin offering, the other for the burnt offering, together with the grain offering. So the priest shall make atonement for the Lord on behalf of the one to be cleansed. This is the law for him in whom there is an infection of leprosy, whose means are limited for his cleansing. Verse 33, the Lord further spoke to Moses and to Aaron, saying, When you enter the land of Canaan, which I give you for in a possession, and I put a mark of leprosy on a house in the land of your possession. Then the one who owns the house shall come and tell the priest, saying, Something like a mark of leprosy has become visible to me in the house. The priest shall then command that they empty the house before the priest goes in to look at the mark, so that everything in the house need not become unclean. And afterward, the priest shall go in and look at the house. So he shall look at the mark, and if the mark on the walls of the house are greenish and reddish depressions and appear deeper than the surface, then the priest shall come out of the house 
to the doorway and quarantine the house for seven days. The priest shall return on the seventh day and make an inspection. If the mark has indeed spread in the walls of the house, then the priest shall order them to tear out the stones with the mark on them and throw them away at an unclean place outside the city. He shall have the house scraped all around and they shall dump the plaster that they scrape off the unclean place of the house. Then they shall take other stones and replace those stones, and he shall take other plaster and replace, uh, replaster the house. If, however, the mark breaks out again in the house after it has been torn out and the stones and scraped the house, and after it has been replastered, then the priest shall come in and make an inspection. And if he sees that the mark has indeed spread in the house, it is a malignant mark in the house. It is unclean. He shall therefore tear down the house, its stones and its timbers, and all the plaster of the house, and he shall take them outside the city to an unclean place. Moreover, whoever goes into the house during the time that it has that he has quarantined it becomes unclean until evening. Likewise, whoever lies down in the house shall wash his clothes, and whoever eats in the house shall wash his clothes. If, on the other hand, the priest comes in and makes an inspection and the mark has not indeed spread in the house after the house has been replastered, then the priest shall pronounce the house clean because the mark has not reappeared. To cleanse the house, then, he shall take two birds and cedar wood and a scarlet string of hyssop, and he shall slaughter the one bird in an earthenware vessel over running water. Then he shall take the cedar wood and the hyssop and the scarlet string with the live bird and dip them into the blood of the slain bird as well as in the running water and sprinkle the house seven times. He shall thus cleanse the house with the blood of the bird and with the running water along with the live bird and with the cedar wood and with the hyssop and with the scarlet string. However, he shall let the live bird go free outside the city into the open field. So he shall make atonement for the house, and it will be clean. This is the law of any mark of leprosy, even for a scale and for a leprous garment or house, and for a swelling and for a scab and for a bright spot, to teach when they're unclean and when they're clean. This is the law of leprosy. As we went over yesterday, this applies to, in a broader range than the leprosy we know of, especially because I don't know that there's possible for a house to have leprosy, which is on skin of humans, can have mold though, and mold spores. And Renee and I had a friend used to clean houses of mold spores and, and used to tell us how toxic it was um, and how bad it was for you. And we can see how God in this kind of a situation protecting his people when it was greenish and different things, those mold spores can get in your lungs and do some damage. So there seems to be God caring for his people on the on the physical on the surface level uh, he's very concerned about the health of his people and so he's protecting them from something they didn't understand how things viruses and different bacterial and spores and different things can float in the air and get in your lungs so so this was a very very good thing they did for their health but on a deeper level again spiritually there's always these parallels God wanted his people to live holy lives and clean lives. Everything about their life was to be a reflection of his his light and his glory, and they were to live as different from the rest of the people who lived in filth, basically. I mean, they were to live clean before the Lord. 
and it was very costly to do this. You see all the procedures that went in to living a life before the Lord. If the person had very sores, various things going on in his body, he had to go get that checked out. If things were going on in his house, what was going on in his house was just as important as what was going on in his life. Both were to be holy vessels for the Lord. So people would come into the house and feel this house is dedicated to the Lord. This house is different. And as far as the the um, cedar wood and the string and the blood and how all that worked, I'll just commend you to the study I did on Leviticus. I believe it's on the web. I think I uploaded it. And where I go into all of that in detail. Can't really cover that here. But it's interesting stuff. And again, a lot of typology, a lot of symbolism going on. But God cares about us living our lives clean before him. And it is costly to be made clean before the Lord. It costs Jesus everything. What it costs us is really nothing more than coming before him and yielding up our sin. It's going to cost us our sin and rebellion and our narcissistic belief that we should be in charge of everything of our own lives. But once you yield that up, you find out it was nothing but a deficit. It was, did not benefit, was not helping you at all. You realize that you've gained everything and gotten rid of things you really didn't need in your life for sure. Mark chapter 8 now. In those days when there was again a large crowd and they had nothing to eat, Jesus called his disciples and said to them, I feel compassion for the people because they have remained with me now three days and have nothing to eat. If I send them away hungry to their homes, they will faint on the way. And some of them have come from a great distance. And his disciples answered him, where will anyone be able to find enough bread here in this desolate place to satisfy them? And he was asking them, how many loaves do you have? And they said seven. And he said, Direct the people to sit down on the ground. And taking the seven loaves, he gave thanks and broke them and started giving them to the disciples to serve them. And they served them to the people. They also had a few small fish. And after he had blessed them, he ordered these to be served as well. They ate and were satisfied, and they picked up seven large baskets full of what was left over of the broken pieces. About 4,000 were there, and he sent them away, and immediately he entered the boat with his disciples and came to the district of Damanutha. The Pharisees came out and began to argue with him, seeking from him a sign from heaven to test him. Sign deeply in his spirit, he said, why does this generation seek for a sign? Truly, I say to you, no sign will be given to this generation. Leaving them, he again embarked and went away to the other side. And they had forgotten to take bread and did not have more than one loaf in the boat with them. And he was giving orders to them, saying, Watch out, beware the leaven of the Pharisees and the leaven of Herod. And they began to discuss with one another the fact that they had no bread. And Jesus, aware of this, said to them, Why do you discuss the fact that you have no bread? Do you not yet see or understand? Do you have a hardened heart? Having eyes, do you not see? And having ears, do you not hear? And do you not remember when I broke the five loaves for the 5,000 and how many baskets full of broken pieces you picked up? They said to him, 12. 
And when I broke the seven for 4,000, how many large baskets full of broken pieces did you pick up? And they said to him, seven. And as he was saying to them, do you not yet understand? And we'll pick that up tomorrow. They should have. He had just recently fed 5,000, so 4,000. Obviously, it would not be a problem. It wasn't double the people. It was less people. And the, rather than saying, Lord, do we, shall we gather up fish and loaves for you to bless? They go, where should we go buy bread for all these people? They are still not thinking on the heavenly plane with Jesus's ministry. They're thinking on the earthly plane that he's, he's a rabbi, he's a king, he's a leader, but they're not thinking when Jesus says, I, I don't want to send these people away, they'll faint. Can you imagine, I'm taking this literally, that some of these people have been following him for two or three days without eating a single thing? Now, that's true, which there's no reason to believe it wasn't true. It depends on how you define not eating anything. Eating very, very little or nothing at all. This really speaks to the power of listening to Jesus. You know, you guys after one hour are going, Phew. <laughs> Thank you. That was the word of God, but I want to go home. <laughs> We're very limited in the amount of time that we can sit listening to someone speak. And I appreciate you guys putting up with me for as long as you do. But can you imagine to listening to Jesus and being there and listening to him speak all day long, probably fall asleep at his feet or sleep outside wherever he was, and just lay on the ground, not go home, just lay there and wake up and then start listening again. Not even looking for food. They don't even say, hey, can you wait a minute? We got to go have breakfast. We'll come back. Don't start without us. No, they just wake up and they just start looking at them. I appreciate these little details given to us because they're powerful when you look at them and see how incredibly drawn in and hungry these people were. They were more hungry for the words of life than they were for their physical food. And this is why Jesus says, I am the bread of life come down from heaven, that he was the water of God, that he was everything that we need, that if we drink from his well, we'll never thirst again. And so this is what he's giving them. And, and out of that, he has compassion. And wouldn't you? We need to feed these people physical food because they've been, they've been unable to find it because they're so hungry spiritually they don't even want to look for it. And so he then asks his disciples to organize the meal, which kind of just supposition in my mind was them like going, okay, guys, look for some baskets and some bread and some fish. we got to bring them before Jesus so he can bless them. I think that was maybe what Jesus was hoping for. But instead, they're going, mm, we have, where are we going to buy all that bread? How are we going to do this? They're looking at human solution to a problem that Jesus wanted them to look a little deeper. And so, of course, Jesus feeds the 8,000 however many, because it's only men plus all their wives. And then he gets in the boat. Then, again, the whole thing of bread comes up. And now he's trying to get them, remember, I'm trying to teach you spiritual lessons. I wanted to feed them, but the bread that I'm feeding them is just a way to reinforce all the spiritual teaching I'm giving them on the need for man 
to feed on my every word of God, that that's what is the primary thing. And so he uses the bread illustration again to show, look, watch out for the leaven. Bread is good, and even bread physically with leaven is okay, it's fine, but but the, on the spiritual side of things, the leaven in the bread is what puffs up. Leaven puffs up. And so the Pharisees were proud. Herod was proud. They were the ones that were trying to control the Jews and the population and come against the Messiah. So he's saying, watch out for them. Don't eat their bread. Eat the bread of life. Don't fall into their trap and follow after their doctrine. Follow the word of God. This is very critical that we do that. And I think the leaven of Herod, I'm wondering, you know, you could probably draw a good uh, illustration or parallel off of that for the leaven of political deception. I think it's probably a strong case for that. Charles Spurgeon, giving without a whisper, the verse, when thou dost alms, let not thy left hand know what thy right hand doth, that thine alms may be in secret, and thy father, which seeth in secret himself, so regard thee openly. Love King James, but I just, I guess I like my New American Standard because it, it brings it a little bit more into a language I can identify with. No promise is made to those who give to the poor to be seen of men. They have their reward at once and cannot expect to be paid twice. Let us hide away our charity. Yes, hide it even from ourselves. Give so often and so much as a matter of course that you no more take notice that you have helped the poor than that you have eaten your regular meals. Do your alms without even whispering to yourself how gracious I am. Do not thus attempt to reward yourself. Leave the matter with God, who never fails to see, to record, and to reward. Blessed is the man who is busy in secret with his kindness. He finds a special joy in his unknown benevolences. That is the bread which eaten by stealth is sweeter than the banquets of kings. How can I indulge myself today with this luxury? Let me have a real feast of tenderness of soul. Here and hereafter the Lord himself will personally see to the rewarding of the secret giver of alms. This will be in his own way and time, and he will choose the very best. How much this promise means, it will need eternity to reveal. Very true. God looks at the cheerful giver. He looks and he approves of the cheerful giver. Not letting your left hand know what your right hand is doing. Just give openly but with wisdom and with discernment. Obviously, we don't give to the druggies and the drunks that are coming up and you know are going to use it to um, enable them to continue to do drugs and alcohol. Give them food. Give them clothing. <laughs> Even though when they come back the next day, they're dressed in rags and you go, that happened to me once. What you doing with those new pants I brought? Uh, I don't know. I think someone stole them. <laughs> you go, okay. All right, well. Anyway, just keep giving and watch what God does. And it's amazing. It's a blessing. And it's a blessing when you hear along many years later that somebody reminds you, did you know that one time you helped me out? And you go, I did? 
that's the best when you don't even remember. You go, I, I, I felt, yeah, you did. And you go, wow. Because then you know that you were doing it unto the Lord. You weren't looking for any reward. You weren't holding them accountable in some way to think of you in a certain way. You're just doing it. And I love to see that. I see it in a lot of you guys. I see it in a lot of people in our church that just help people openly so much. You know, I find out sometimes years later that, that people secretly were helping in our church, helping the church, helping the mission, and I never knew about it. You know, things will just appear. And, wow, where'd that come from? Oh, somebody donated it. And then I'll find out years later it was somebody I knew really well. You know, it was somebody they just didn't want to take any of the glory away from the Lord. God got all of the praise. So that's just an incredibly precious thing that we have in the church to be thankful for. All right, we are ready to go into prayer time. A lot of things going on, a lot of people needing prayer. So let's be praying for them. Father, we thank you for this day. We thank you for your love for us and the way you are molding us into your image. And we desire, God, that you would make us cheerful givers. We desire, God, that you help us fall before your feet and and ask for your cleansing and your touch and your power to go continue on in this world and be your ambassadors, your witnesses, and be an ever-present help, God, to those around us that need it as you are to us and working in and through us. So, God, we want to be your hands and feet. So thank you for all that you are doing. We pray a special prayer of blessing on Dean for his uh, health and his stomach, that you be healing that for Kim, that you, God, just bless her day and help her See how much you love her and how much work you're doing through her, spiritually growing her, using her to help her kids come to a, a spiritual walk with you, God, and a wonderful, to have a wonderful testimony, mother and father that love you. God just used Kim in a very special way to help both her daughters and her son and her husband as they are growing together in Christ, God. We ask a special blessing on that household. Help Emily as she's uh, just come in stronger and stronger and, and just keep her mind focused on praise and on you. Help Abigail, God, to continue to mature in her brain, to come back into a clearness in her mind, to take away the brain fog. Ethan, for his total health, God, in all aspects, may you be blessing and strengthening his body as well. And Father, just we pray that you will place your hand of protection upon them and they would Bring them up and grow them strong, God, in your word and strong in their love for you and each other as they continue to um, enjoy this time down here in our in our fellowship. We want to pray as well for Tony and his family, for a blessing upon their family, that everything's well with them and that you guide them in their f- future desires to continue to be your servants and serve you. Just confirm where God and when and how all that should be dealt with. In that sense, we pray for this young woman or this this woman from uh, down south who came up for this surgery on her leg. And we pray that, God, it was successful and that you encourage your spirit and that you would be able to, to now, hopefully her leg is all sewn up and she'll be able to get it bandaged and healed upright so she can go home. So we pray that this would come to a conclusion soon. And thank you for that. And we do pray for... Um, the Donna's toe, and if it's still okay, if it's it's healing up, we pray for that. We pray for others who have 
bang themselves up. We pray for Robert, that he has maintained his balance and everything, his knee gets better, that everything can go well with him and his desire to continue to heal and before you. So we pray for him as well. And uh, we want to pray for strength in marriages, God, that you be blessing the marriages in our fellowship. As we know, the enemy is always trying to tear the, the marriages apart. And so, God, may you touch those that are, um, that, that are dealing with any kind of issues in their marriage, and you'd strengthen them. And it was so encouraging to see Juliana Mavi in church and blessing them and blessing their family. God, we, they look great, and just thank you for them and all that you, you seem to be doing in their life. Thank you for all the things that you are doing in everyone's life and the fellowship that we have now and how it's growing. We bless you. Thank you for it, God. For those still dealing with the other treatments and the cancer, God, just please continue to keep their hearts happy. They a lot of difficulty going through these treatments, but we know the most the most devastating thing is when we lose our hope and we lose our focus and we lose our joy. So I pray that God you would you would maintain that in my brothers and sisters. Thank you for this wonderful day that we do have, God. We rejoice in it. Ask you to bless it and bless those who are going on evangelism tonight that it be fruitful. And many would come to know you and know about you and yield their lives over to you. So we thank you, God. We praise you. And we want to pray for Christina in Canada who needs continued treatment for her cancer. God, we know that she's been dealing with for a long period of time. And so, God, we do ask that you would touch her and help her, especially if she has to travel a lot. And how that all will fit in with her plans to get treatment. I know this is a big issue. So we help that the treatments can be done on a schedule that would work. And you continue to keep her strong in her life. So thank you for all that you're doing there. And I would just ask you to bless us on Sunday as we have seen new people come. May you encourage those. Those that want to get baptized, continue to bring them in and, um, and keep them God encouraged in their walks and and um, always moving forward. This is many setbacks, many things that can get us depressed and get us down. God, help us to look up and see what you're doing, the positive things in our life, so that we can find the strength to carry on. So we give you this day, God, and we ask you to continue to help us walk in it. In Jesus' name, amen. That will do it. Thank you very much, you guys, for being with us. We will continue probably in Leviticus 15 tomorrow. Check the podcast. If you missed 13 yesterday, it is up and available now. So we will see you again tomorrow. God bless. Bye-bye.